having worked as a waiter, having worked as a deli cook, or, you know, having worked on a factory floor. And I think that's as legitimate experience to bring into it as, as anyone else. It's more about your approach to problem solving, to framing an issue, to communicating. Change is coming, oh yeah. I'm Yash Pavlik-Slank, and this no is Degrees, real talk about planet-saving careers from Environmental no Defense Fund. We're back with part four of Green Jobs 101, our mini-series designed to help you get the planet-saving career that you want. Today, John Davies of GreenBiz is back to help you figure out which certifications you might need. John's been tracking green careers for a decade now and has answers to all of your questions like, which certifications are actually worth the time? And what about the cost? Do you even need them anyway? And listen to the end to hear John's advice to a concerned job hunter. Hey, John, thanks so much for being back with us again. Thanks, Jess. In my job working with the Climate Corps program and our alumni network, I get this question all of the time. What sustainability certifications are worth it to help me stand out in the resume pile? Yeah, it's a a tough question because we asked this in our last report, and there are certainly people who get certifications. It's not clear yet if a certification is actually helping you get the job. But if I had to choose some, one, and this isn't really a certification, but EDF's Climate Corps. I love that endorsement. That's something that people look (laughs) at and say, oh, they have practical experience going and solving a problem over the summer for, for a company. If you're involved in reporting, the GRI certification is definitely a good certification to get. I mean, that's sort of become the gold standard for reporting. If you're going to focus on facilities, Lead AP is a good certification to get. And, you know, I think you can go down various functional roles and say, you know, if you're going to do supply chain, the Association of Supply Chain Management, which used to be APICS, has a good certification around sustainability and supply chain. GARP has one for investor relations. But I caution people, this is not like being an actuary. It's not like, oh, I take a test and I get to move up a grade in my job. It's not clear that certifications alone are going to get you that job. And to help listeners navigate those acronyms, GRI is Global Reporting Initiative and GARP is Global Association of Risk Professionals. So GreenBiz started their own certification last year. Can you tell me a little bit about why you started a program with all of these other certifications out there? That's a great question. So we were approached by WholeWorks. They had this course that had been developed called Leading the Sustainability Transformation. And the focus wasn't really for new grads. It was more for people who had been in the business who were in a functional role, who needed to learn more about sustainability. It's a 10-week course. There's definitely coursework that you do, but you're also involved in a simulation where there's a bioproducts company in Uruguay that you are part of a team running. And so eight of the cohort are in various roles, EHS, that's environmental health and safety, sales and marketing, forestry management. And then one person uh, acts as the mayor and another person acts as an NGO. And you have to achieve a triple bottom line balance in this very sophisticated simulation. So around week three or four, 
it gets really intense because you're trying to figure out, wait, we did these things and we didn't expect that this was going to happen. Or a storm came and knocked out one of our production facilities. But you have to do all this and still stay under budget. So it's really to sort of have an intensive uh, course for people who need to get involved in the sustainability conversation, but need some entry point. So we're seeing companies send people from procurement, from manufacturing, from sales and marketing, just to have them get up to speed at what this conversation is for these companies that are trying to transform. Well, and for listeners who were digging into that and absorbing that overview, John mentioned the triple bottom line, which is that synergy between prosperity, planet, and people. And so I imagine that the goal of this exercise is to really be looking from each person's vantage point for the opportunities to make their case and contributing to that triple bottom line of success where everybody wins and everybody has an incentive to participate and accelerate these solutions. Is that right? That is correct. And it's interesting because you you have all sorts of things of, should I build this road that's going to go outside of the town with all of our products? And so it's not going to interrupt traffic, but it's going to cost me a lot of money to build that road. You have decisions like that that you're making in this simulation that make people really think about what's the impact on the community? What's the impact on the environment? What do we invest in education? What do we invest in certification programs for our forestry management. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of fun and uh, another excellent opportunity for people who want more tangible, practical experience thinking through real world scenarios. Well, to close, John, I want to play devil's advocate in the conversation of sustainability certifications. Getting a certification seems to be something that is truly available to those who have a lot of privileges. They may have to take time off from their jobs to get it, or they have the funds as individuals, or uh, they're fortunate enough to work for a company who offers it as a benefit. It certainly keeps certifications at bay or out of reach for populations that are underprivileged. What do you say to those people who don't have this kind of privilege? I would say that it's not what's going to prevent you from getting a job. That the certification in and of itself is not how people are hiring. I mean, certainly, if you're an architect, you have to be a certified architect, right? But in sure. sustainability, <laughs> that's not that's not the baseline for getting hired. So I think they should take solace in the knowledge that if there's a certification that's required, say you come in and as an analyst at a, at a company, if they're going to be doing the GRI, they're going to send you to GRI certification, but they're not going to be looking for you to have already been certified in GRI for an entry-level position. Phew, that must be a huge relief to some of our listeners, uh, but definitely worthy to keep thinking about as folks grow in their career and in their specialties. Now it's time for our Dear Abby of Sustainability Job Seekers. We should just call it Dear John. Today's question comes from a listener who prefers to make, remain anonymous. They wrote, lots of leadership roles in social impact jobs seem to be coming from Ivy League pipelines. So true. What could be the reason behind this correlation? And how can someone who didn't get into a high profile university be competitive in these jobs? Dear John, what do you say? I would say from my own experience, 
I did not come from Ivy League school, and I've managed to do pretty well in my career. A lot of times I look at, at the Ivy League experience, and they're in a bubble not being able to bring in other experiences from, say, having worked as a waiter or having worked as a deli cook or you know, having worked on a factory floor. And I think that's as legitimate experience to bring into it as as anyone else. It's more about your approach to problem solving, to framing an issue, to communicating. And so I wouldn't worry about not having that uh, Ivy League degree. I second that. I also don't come from an Ivy League background personally. And I think one of the tremendous advantages of an Ivy League affiliation and education is a really powerful network. But I think you can absolutely achieve that, especially in sustainability, because People are really excited and really jazzed up to find solutions to climate change, and they are more than happy to offer solutions and time and mentorship opportunities. So I would double down to that question from our anonymous listener. No need for the Ivy League pipeline to find success here. And yes, I would just say, I mean, my degree was literature. And so I I also think people get hung up on what degree they need to have in order to get enter into a sustainability role. And I think humanities is a great entryway in because you're, you're taught how to think. So I think it's important to not limit yourself just because of what your major was or what school you went to. And that's it for today's show. A huge thank you to John Davies. If you missed our two earlier conversations about growth in sustainability jobs and salaries, go back now and take a listen. And you can find links to all of the resources from this episode directly in your listening app. But luckily, my friends, there's more to come in our Green Jobs 101 miniseries. Join us next time when I talk with Net Impact's Sam Charner. Sam works with job hunters all over the globe at more than 400 chapters of Net Impact, and he's got some great on-the-ground advice for you, so don't miss it. And of course, I'm so glad you're here with us. If you found today's show useful, share it with other friends who are passionate about fighting climate change. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Degrees is presented by Environmental Defense Fund. Amy Morse is our producer. Our executive producers are Rick Ballou and Christina Mestre. Podcast Allies is our production company. And I am your host, Yesh Pavlik-Slund. Change is coming, oh yeah.